am excited about this semester. I really believe the Lord is going to not only speak to us, but we're going to grow uh, in our relationships with him. We're going to meet new friends, and God is just going to continue to do good things through this community. Uh, I know that uh, some of the upcoming things that we really enjoy are not only our leadership training, but our missions trips. Uh, I've been thinking about our trips to Africa and different places around the world and, and just excited about what God has in store, um, which brings us to um, our conversation tonight, which we are going to look at uh, this concept of discerning or hearing the voice of God. I don't know if any of you have ever asked that question, like, what, uh, what is God saying to me? Has anyone ever, like, wondered what in the world God has for my life? I'm the only person. All right, this is going to be, like, much more of an interaction opportunity. All right, so how many people have said the words, like, I just wish God would tell me what to do? Have you guys ever been there, like, I'm so sick of this? All right, or I don't want to miss out on what God has for my life. Like, that's a constant anxiety that you live with. Maybe that was just me when I was your age, but okay. Or I can't seem to hear God's voice. Um, I hear that one regularly from you guys. Like, I pray, I read my Bible, and I just, I, I don't hear God's voice ever. And it just seems like he's so distant. And, and what I want us to do is to recognize um, that God, first of all, is always speaking to us. And it's not so much about whether God is speaking as much as it is about whether we are listening. Uh, we're going to jump into a story in the Old Testament. It's one of my favorite, uh, I don't know if it's one of my favorite, but it's definitely a fun story. It's out of 1 Samuel chapter, we're going to tell the story out of 1, 2, and 3, but we'll begin reading in verse chapter 3 in here in a little bit. But I want to give you some of the background about what's going on, uh, primarily because this is the story about a young guy, young man, likely younger than you, his name was Samuel. And he had an encounter with God where he was able to distinguish and discern the voice of the Lord. And it began to be something that was a normal in his life. And as we look at this story, what my hope is, is that each of us will be able to recognize that there are some uh, principles. There are some, uh, what do I call them, pieces of, of this story that when we can understand and grasp and put them in our lives uh, we may be able to get to that point of recognizing not only that God is speaking, but hearing, recognizing, understanding, and moving forward in what God is communicating to each one of us. How many people would like to walk through life with the confidence of knowing that, that you're hearing God's voice? Like, that would be spectacular on a daily basis. What shirt should I wear today, Lord? And he says, the blue one, and I wore the blue one. No, that's not really how it works. I mean, maybe he cares about what I wear, but... Anyway, you guys understand what I'm saying. Uh, before we start telling the story out of uh, 1 Samuel, let's just pray. God, we come to you right now. We just ask that you would be with us uh, tonight, Lord, that you would begin to take this Old Testament story, allow it to not only capture our imaginations, but Lord, help us to begin to understand and see it in a way that we've never seen before. Let it not just go through our thinking, but Lord, let it enter into our hearts and into our emotions, that we would recognize not just how uh, to interact and to hear your voice, but more importantly, why, God. Lord, why we want to interact with you, why we desperately need to be in right relationship with you. We need to have your, your direction in our lives. Jesus, we love you, and in your precious name, amen. Well, we don't have time to read all the, the first few chapters of 1 Samuel, so I'll just give you the, the kind of the highlights of the story. This, the book, book of Samuel starts out with this woman who comes 
to seek uh, basically to the temple. To, uh, her name was Hannah, to pray and pursue the fact that she wanted to have children. So the Bible starts out with this story that this woman, Hannah, she's married, and she isn't able to have children. And so each year she would go to the temple to where the presence of the Lord is, and she would weep, and she would pray, and she would offer sacrifices, and basically pursue the Lord to an answer to her prayer that she might be able to have a son. And so basically in chapter 1, it goes through this story, and the woman is there, Hannah is at the temple, and the prophet or the priest that was rather in the temple with the Lord in this moment saw Hannah on the outskirts and she was weeping and he assumed the worst. He assumed that she was drunk. And so he went up to her and he began to chastise her and the response was, listen, I'm not drunk. I'm pursuing the Lord. I want to have a child. And Eli, the prophet, his perspective of this situation was essentially to uh, ask for an apology and then to pray over the woman and prophesy over her, saying that that time next year she would have her son. If you go to chapter 1, verse 21, I'm going to read a little bit. Um, verse 23, I'm sorry. It says, Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the, the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And then if you skip down to verse 25, it says, uh, verse 26, and she said, Oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. So basically a year after this moment when the child is born, he's probably two years old, maybe three. Verse 27, it says, For this child I prayed, and the Lord had gr granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives, and he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Essentially what that means is that Hannah brought her son at a very young age to the temple and laid him at the altar, gave him to Eli, and basically said he now belongs to God. He belongs to the temple. He's here to serve you and to take care of you. The story kind of takes an intermission at this point. There's this song that Hannah sings. And then the Bible goes into the story about Eli and his two sons, Phineas and Hophni. Phineas and Hophni were scoundrels, even though they were supposed to be able to take care of the temple and perform the religious rites or rituals that were needed to help the people of Israel encounter God. They uh, basically, uh, how would you put it? They, the Bible describes the fact that they would take advantage of the people. They took advantage of the, the individuals that were working in the temple. And as a result, they um, basically defamed the name of the Lord. And so the Bible continues to talk about this in verses 12 as it goes in chapter 2, verse 12, all the way to chapter 3. And in the end of chapter 2, the Bible describes the fact that the Lord is now rejecting Eli as the prophet and the priest of Israel as well as his two sons. That they are no longer going to be able to uh, be the individuals that connect the people of Israel to God. You guys still with me with this story? And this is where we get into chapter 3. So we know who Samuel is. We know who Eli is. And now we're going to watch this interaction that happens between the two. So if we're in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It should be on the screen. It says, now the young man named Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. So he's grown up, essentially. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. 
the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again, so he went and laid down. So what you understand is going on is Eli, the prophet, the priest, is super old. He's blind. He's no longer able to kind of perform his duties, and he's hanging out, taking a nap. It's nighttime because the candles have not gone out, and they lit the candles during the night, and in the morning they would extinguish the candles. So we know it's late in the evening. Eli is sleeping. Samuel is sleeping with the Ark of the Covenant. He's in the temple, the Holy of Holies. He's hanging out where God's presence was. And there's this voice that comes to Samuel and says, Samuel. And Samuel wakes up immediately. He hears the voice, and his immediate thought is that Eli, his boss, his mentor, his father-like figure, is calling him, and he's blind, and so he's assuming that he needs help, and so off he goes. So we're going to pick it up again in verse 6. And the Lord again called Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Verse 8, and the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. This is super confusing for Eli, right? He's like, stop waking me up. That's what's going on right here. There's this teenage punk kid that keeps waking up an old man in the middle of the night. And he's not happy anymore. All right. And so by this time, Eli is confused. But the verse, uh, end of verse 8, it says, Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling, at, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house, from the beginning to the end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore, swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. You guys get what's going on? These two guys who are supposed to be responsible for connecting the people of Israel to God had blasphemed, had defamed, had basically spoiled the relationship between God and his people. And as a result, Eli, Eli their father, even though he knew what they were doing, he didn't step in and make things right. He didn't correct them, chast them, chise them, or make the situation better. And God's result, God's decision was, is that you are now disconnected. You've not done what I, you knew you were supposed to do, and there will forever be a rift in this relationship. Moving on. Verse 13, and I declare to him about, oh, verse 14. Um, Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Verse 15, Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called. No kidding, right? How, how many of you would like to tell your grandparents, like, hey, just so you know, you're done. God said you're out. 
And by the way, I'm in. Not exactly good news. All right. So Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you. And more also, if you hide anything from me, all that he told from me, all of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord that let him do what he seems, what seems good to him. Verse 19, we're almost done, guys. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 1, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. What we're going to do is we're going to look at this story, and I believe there's like five pieces that happened, five little components that were going on in this story that helped Samuel not only hear the voice of the Lord, but respond and recognize and discern what God wanted to do in his life. And I believe if we understand those five pieces, we can also apply them to our lives so that you and I can hear the voice of the Lord like this. You guys with me? Okay. So the first one is simply this. Um, it's what I would call purpose. And the, the question I would ask is, why do we confuse God's voice? So in chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So let me just throw some things out to you. In verse 1, it says that the voice of the Lord was rare, and it, he, basically Samuel was not familiar with the voice of God. How many people are like at that point in your life, in your relationship with God, you've not encountered his voice on a regular basis, and you're going, yeah, I just don't know what it sounds like. I just haven't had the experiences. What's interesting is, is that the voice of God was rare in Israel at this time. Why? He wasn't speaking to Eli. Why? Because Eli was disobedient. His sons were disobedient. And our real actions and our relationship with God are directly connected to how God speaks to us. Not only was it rare, guys, but it was new. Like I said, it was something that, that he had not perhaps experienced before. But the other reason why he was confusing God's voice was that he was listening for something else. Think about this. We live in a culture and a world that is constantly distracted. We're constantly overwhelmed with noise. We, we hear things all the time. Do we have the attention and the focus to actually hear the voice of God? Samuel's laying in bed, you know, he's got his phone out, he's doing the Snapchat or whatever is going on, TikTok, and, and he's just kind of looking in there, he's hanging out with the temple and the Ark of the Covenant, and all of a sudden he hears a voice, he's like, oh, I know what that is, Eli needs to go to the bathroom, I'm going to go get him, he's blind, i got to go help him, you know, take care of this scenario. His mind was somewhere else, he wasn't assuming that God was trying to speak to him. Are we so distracted that we can't hear God's voice? The other thing that's really interesting to me that, that as I was working through this, I began to ask the question of, of motive. Perhaps our motive plays into the, 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 the ability for us to recognize and discern the voice of God. So often, and I ask you guys these questions to begin with, but so often we are listening for God's voice so that we can do God's will, right? How many people are like, yes, that's what I want? Scripture tells us that, 
that Samuel did not hear God's voice so that he could do God's will. Instead, it says basically that, that Samuel heard God's voice so that God, so that the Lord would be with him. You see, God does not want us to depend on his will. He wants us to depend on him. So often we want to know what God wants us to do, but the result of that is that we don't need God. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? So when I tell my kids, go, go do X, Y, and Z, I can leave and depart, and they don't need me there to walk with them through that, right? Like an employee, a boss, let's not say our kids, but employee or boss, right? Like that's the, the process. But if the goal of God is relationship, if the goal of God is for you to know him intimately and to, to walk with him, does he want to give you the ABCs, go do it for the next 40 years, and I'll show up then? You see, his goals and his motive for us in his voice is not for us to, to do what he wants us to do, but for us to be able to know and recognize who he is. So is being with God the reason we want to recognize voice, recognize his voice? There is a difference between the rituals of religion and a relationship with God. Hear this. Samuel was really good at doing the rituals of religion. He'd grown up in the temple doing all the stuff that needed to be done, right? It even says after God showed up, what did he do? He went up, opened the doors, went about his business, got the temple ready for the next day, right? He was doing his things, the rituals of religion, but God was interested in a relationship with him. I know, listen, guys, I know when I'm discerning God's voice, and I also know when I am distracted and not hearing God's voice. And one of the primary ways is all of a sudden I start to get a lot of my spiritual direction and influence in my life from podcasts, from sermons, from, from other sources than from God's word in my time with him. And we need to understand that, that God's voice is continually speaking to us. It's happening all the time. The question is, are we tuned into it? And if we're not tuned into it, we probably need to ask the question of why? Is it because our motive is wrong? Is it because our lives are distracted and full of other things? The second piece that I think is here that we need to understand, you guys still with me? Yeah. Okay. It's really quiet tonight, and that's concerning to me. You're listening. All right. That's also concerning to me. All right. The second thing is what I would say is position. We need to ask the question, where are we supposed to be? In chapter 1, I think I've got this wrong, 1 verses 28, it says, Therefore I have lent him, oh, this is right. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He is lent to the Lord and he worshiped him. That's what Hannah said about Samuel. But then if you go to chapter 3, verse 3, it says, The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then if you skip to chapter uh, three, uh, verse 9, at the end, it says, So Samuel went and laid down in his place. There's a couple thoughts about our position, about where we are supposed to be. The first is this, is that Samuel's life was dedicated to God before he even recognized that he had a life, right? And if you grew up in the church, like you're one of my kids, uh, my kids were brought up to the front of a church, and we dedicated them to the Lord. We gave them to God and said, basically, God, you get to sort this out because I'm going to do a really bad job at parenting, and I'm, they're yours, right? And, and if you grew up in the church, that likely happened to you. But here's the thing. Most of us want to dedicate our lives to God after God has spoken to us. But there is a reversal in what we would consider the logic. 
Like when we buy a house, we want to know the terms, the agreements, the costs. We want to know what we're getting. We want the dedication of the event to be done, and then we will commit into it, right? But this is opposite with God. We dedicate our lives, and then the Lord begins to speak. Yes. Good. There it is. Thank you. Thank you. All right. The other one is this, is that Samuel's place was where God's presence resided. So not only did he, was his life dedicated before, but he was where God was at. So this is the question I have, is where does God speak in your life? Have you guys thought about this? In what places in your life does God show up? It could be geographical. Like for me, when I'm out in the wilderness and I have a few minutes alone and I can stare off into the distance of woods or mountains, all of a sudden God's voice comes alive. Some of you, it might be here in Chi Alpha, a small group, or a church, or, or it might be in a quiet place. When we lived in Asia, I literally built a closet in my office. There was nothing in the closet, but I built it so that I could go in it, and I could pray and not be distracted. And that's where God met me in this cardboard closet in the middle of some crazy office in Southeast Asia, because that was where God would meet me. The question is, though, do you have a place where you will meet him? Is it quiet? Is it dark? Is it a church? Is it a wilderness? But it's not just geographical, but what, what about emotional? Does God meet you in specific emotional states? I have a really hard time hearing God's voice when I'm really angry. When you're driving down the road, giving that guy the finger, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> guy just cuts you off in the middle of snow, drove you off into the ditch. Is God there with you? Yeah, he's there, but you're not listening to his voice. Right? What emotional state do you encounter God? Is it when there's peace, joy? Or is it anger, frustration, excitement? Some of us just, you know, the people that are the extroverts and just love the crowd, you might experience God at the height of a party. And the introverts are like, give me a hole in the ground. <laughs> right? Do we experience God in these places? Spiritually, do you experience him? When you're hungry, humble, obedient. What about intellectual? Sometimes we need to understand. And, and listen, if you're a student, an engineering student at UAF, you're likely going to experience God with your intellect. And that's good. But are you putting yourself and your mind in a place where you can hear his voice? You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, are you willing to be understanding? Are you hungry to know truth? Are you, do you have an open mind to allow the Lord to inform you of his truth, which supersedes all other truth? I'm trying to decide whether I should tell stories or not. Uh, full send. So... When it comes to, like, hearing God's voice, um, like, talk, telling stories from our personal, Crystal and I's personal experience, um, many of you have heard the story of us being called from Asia to Alaska. You know that we were missionaries overseas, and, and God miraculously spoke to us about coming to Alaska. And it didn't really make sense, but... As I think through these experiences of where does God speak to me in my life, typically they're in moments that I have set aside to listen to God's voice. 
And so when, we, when I was in Bangkok, Thailand, I was at those meetings, and I'm, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but, but it was in that season of dedicated prayer and fasting that I'm pacing around in a small little apartment room early in the morning. And, and morning doesn't really have any, like God doesn't like mornings better than nights. I do, but, but God doesn't really care. What he cared about was that I was alone, dedicated, listening, and seeking his voice. And when the Lord began to speak, I was in a mindset, in an emotional position, in a geographical position to be able to hear and recognize what he had to say. How often do we put ourselves in those places? Samuel was literally sleeping next to the Ark of the Covenant. It's no surprise that God was there. All right, the third piece that I want us to understand is people who can guide us to God's voice. This is really interesting because it's not the only time in Scripture that, that a guy like Eli steps into someone's life and guides them, but it's definitely one of the most obvious scenarios. In verse 9, it says this. It says, therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls to you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. You see, we need to understand that, that in our journey of trying to discern and understand the voice of the Lord, we need other people in our lives. Sam, rather, Eli was the prophet that had encountered God, that recognized his voice, and he was the one that discerned that the Lord was speaking to Samuel. Now, we have lots more, I don't say lots, but we have more avenues than just an individual person to come and speak. We know that God's word speaks to us. So when we are starting to hear the Lord direct us in specific areas or in understandings of truth, we first would check this against scripture. Like all truth is connected through this book. So if it doesn't line up with this, we know that it's not of the Lord and you just had some bad pizza, right? Like those random thoughts that go through your head. So that's one of the ways that we can check the God's word, God's spirit. There's this concept and this understanding of, of having a peace in your heart or a peace that goes beyond understanding. When the Lord is speaking, oftentimes it will be a conversation or a thought that doesn't necessarily make sense or, or may take you down an unpredictable path, but you will have peace that goes beyond understanding. And, and that is a recognition of the Holy Spirit working in your life. On top of that, there's individuals like Eli, and, and throughout my life, I've had men and women that I've sought out and said, Lord, uh, help me, I'm wrestling with this direction from the Lord, or I think the Lord is directing our family or speaking to us about this specific thing, and I need the confirmation. I need someone else who's heard the voice of the Lord to come in and, and speak the same thing. There's also the community, the community of God, not just an individual. The reason we need each other, guys, small groups, the reason that we need this group right now is because you and I can help each other encounter the voice of God. How many times before a service, during worship or after, someone has a voice or a word from the Lord and it's spoken out so that someone in this room, whether it be multiple or individual people, will hear what God has for them and he speaks through us to other people. When God spoke to us about coming to Alaska, well, we're moving on. I can't read tonight. So here's a question that I would have. Who do you guys let influence and speak into your life? Who, If you were to, to step back and ask the question, who is the most significant influencer in your life? 
and then you had to pull your phone out and check your screen time. Who would be the most significant influence? Is it your parents? Is it your professors? Is it someone on Instagram or TikTok or whatever those are? Is it your time? Well, I don't know what I do, dude. I'm so old and out of touch, it doesn't really matter, all right? All right, we'll leave that alone. We'll keep moving. Chapter uh, Number four, the fourth piece is simply posture. How should we respond, guys? In chapter three, verse 10, it says this, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Uh, the, the NIV translates this phrase a little bit different. It says, here I am. If you look through scripture, there are six individuals that when God shows up, their response is, here I am. You have uh, Jeremiah and Moses, Samuel, Jeremiah, Moses, Jacob, Isaiah, and Ananias in the New Testament. And all of these individuals have this moment where they encounter God and their posture determines what God says. Their response is essentially, here I am. And when Samuel communicated to God that he was available and accessible to be in relationship with him, it was then that the Lord began to speak to him. Do you guys recognize that by that statement, here I am, he's communicating that he wants to not just hear what God has, but he wants to be obedient to what God says. And that is the same connection that we had before to this idea that we have to have dedication before we can have relationship with God. It goes against everything that we think as a human, but here it is. God is not willing to force himself into our lives, and he knocks and he waits for our invitation. And when we're willing to say, Lord, here I am, all of a sudden the conversation begins. It's a posture of humility and obedience. As I said before, God's voice was rare because Eli refused to be obedient to the voice of God. And God's voice grew louder and louder in the life of Samuel because he was willing to be obedient. If you follow this story, if you go back down to the end of chapter 3, it says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And then it says, And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And then in verse four, chapter 4, verse 1, it says that Samuel's words essentially went out across Israel. And essentially what you begin to realize that as Samuel interacted with the Lord and responded in the right posture of obedience and humility, God began to continue the conversation with him. And then chapter 4, this is what's really interesting, is that it doesn't say that God's voice went out from Israel. It says that Samuel's voice went out to Israel. You should find that interesting. Most theologians believe that it's because the voice of the Lord and Samuel's voice became so synonymous that Samuel spoke for God. How many of you guys know that I'm horrible with text messages? Like everybody that's ever texted me. Thank you, Barnabas. <laughs> if you don't know that I'm horrible with text messages, text me and you'll find out. <laughs> I forget. I think on average I get like 100 and some odd text messages a day. And I would say probably 20 to 30 somehow get buried in that mess. And then three days later, four days later, today I sent a text back from like two weeks ago. I'm just kind of scrolling through. Which one did I miss? All right, there it is. 
and just start replying to them, and I apologize. I'm horrible. Um, but what you'll notice is, and, and this happens quite frequently, is that uh, I'll have this string of texts from an individual. Now, you guys know that when you get a text message, it's from someone. What color is it? No, it's gray, right? In my phone, it's gray. And then when you send a text, what color is it? It's blue or green. Ah, my goodness. All right. I'm colorblind, so it doesn't matter. No, that's Kevin. All right, Kev. Um, love you, man. But there's been moments where I've looked at a text thread, and I recognize that it's like all gray. Have you guys ever done that? You're like, wow, that person loves to text me. But if you ignore them long enough, what happens? They stop texting. No, they don't call me. I don't answer the phone either. <laughs> All right, so, but eventually what's going to happen to that message thread? It's going to stop, right? Because nobody's going to just keep sending messages that are completely unresponded to. But all of a sudden, I hit a, a couple words, push send, it goes blue, and then what happens? I get a response because nobody's as bad as tech messages as I am, Right? And then when I respond again, what happens? I get a response. It's really simple. This is the example that Samuel is showing to us, is that our posture of response, of obedience, of responding to God in the right heart, in the right attitude, basically indicates God's ability to respond again to us. You see, we don't have breakthrough in our relationship with God until we put ourselves in a place not just to hear, but also to obey. All right, moving on. It is. The last uh, piece that we're going to talk about tonight is uh, what I would call practice. And this is the idea of how do we discern God's voice. And this portion of scripture, it's, it's really quite interesting. I read it just a second ago, but in chapter 3, verse 19 to 4 of 1, I'm going to read it again. It says, And Samuel grew with the Lord, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew, and Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again, and at Shiloh, and for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And then go to chapter 4, verse 1. It says, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. So I'm going to give you some simple understandings about how to discern the voice of God. First, I would say in this portion of scripture is we need to look for confirmation. Do you guys understand that God is not playing hide-and-seek with you? Right? Believe it or not, he's not trying to trick you, and it's not like a one-time deal. Like, oh, you missed it. You didn't hear it. It stinks for you. I'm going to leave you here. You get to deal with it for the rest of eternity. I'm moving on to the next guy. That, that's not how God works. Scripture tells us that he is constantly pursuing us, that he loves us, that he wants to be in relationship with us. And three times God showed up and called out to Samuel. Three times he missed it. But yet the fourth time, God showed up, and he was willing to continue to return to him. And one of the things we can understand about God's voice is that there will be confirmation. So our story from Asia to Alaska, God showed up in a prayer room in Bangkok, Thailand, and literally told me to go to Alaska, right? 
You guys have heard this, most of you. I laughed out loud, and within like two hours after having an encounter and an audible voice of God in my life, I had convinced myself mentally that I just had really bad Thai street food and that there's no way that God actually talked to me. Some of you are like, if God would just speak to me, it would sort all of my problems. It doesn't. <laughs> it just causes more problems. Okay? But if you follow that story, three days later, I go to Laos, to Vien Chan Laos, where my wife is at. I come in late at night, and I'm walking up the stairs, and I ask the question, Crystal, what are you doing up so late? And what does she say? I'm looking up houses for sale in Alaska, because while God was talking to me in Bangkok, he was talking to her in a different country about moving to Alaska. That's confirmation number one. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, maybe it wasn't bad Thai food. <laughs> maybe God is saying something. But if you talk to my wife, within a couple weeks, I had convinced myself that God may have said that. But it wasn't for right now, and we don't know what we're going to do. And so we're going to finish what we're doing until God gives us specific clarity about what we're supposed to do. That was in October. In December, we come back to the United States. We go to this event called the World Mission Summit. It was in Cincinnati, Ohio at that year. And I was there as a missionary recruiting college students to come to Asia to work with us. And all of a sudden, we walk in, and we got a booth and a table at the conference. And the first thing I noticed when we walked to set up our booth is that right across the aisle is the booth for Alaska. Yeah. I'm like, there's no way. And so for like three days, I'm looking at the guys from Alaska who are literally standing there saying, we need someone to come to Alaska to pioneer Chi Alpha. And the Lord's saying, Paul, that's you. And I'm going, no, it's not. <laughs> you got it wrong. It's not me. I like shorts and sandals, right? You know, Alaska's cold and dark. So it doesn't stop there because the more hard-headed you are, God just kind of keeps beating you with a stick. So Crystal has this. Uh, meals, we do meals with a missionary, which means there's like 6,000 students and there's 2,000 missionaries and we're all eating together and you get like eight people at your table and there's a missionary and college students, you get to talk to these missionaries, interact. Crystal sits down at her meal with the missionary and guess who's sitting there? A person from Alaska. We find out later there's only two people from Alaska in the entire conference and one is sitting at Crystal's table and you know what she talked about the whole time? We need someone to come to Alaska to pioneer Chi Alpha. If someone would just come, God, I'm in a university outside of Alaska because there's no Christian ministries inside of Alaska, in college university ministries. She comes back from that meeting. She goes, Paul, you'll never believe it. I was like, I don't believe it. I'm like, holding on. I'm not going to Alaska, right? I sit down with my friend. Some of you are going to know him. Eli Gotro, right? Yeah. Like the manliest man you've ever met in your entire life. We sit down for dinner, him and his daughter, and Crystal and I, and he sits down, and he looks at me, and he, first thing is out of his mouth, he goes, Paul, have you ever thought about doing Chi Alpha? I laughed. I said, no. <laughs> Chi Alpha is for people who kind of come up into Chi Alpha. You raise up your own. Like, I love discipleship. Chi Alpha is amazing. I love speaking for Chi Alpha, but I'm a missionary overseas. Like, Chi Alpha, not, no. He goes, well, have you ever thought about going to Alaska? <laughs> This is God's honest truth. Like, we had not told, Crystal, we had not told anyone we were, God was speaking to us about Alaska. Under the table, I think I still have some bruises from when Crystal was kicking me so hard. <laughs> Violently kicking me, like, wake up. And I'm like, I, I hadn't thought of that before. 
And his response was, listen, we really believe someone needs to go and pioneer in Alaska, Chi Alpha, and, and there's, it's a unique ministry. It's like a world missions context. We think someone from overseas would be a better fit than someone from down in the lower 48. What do you think? Is God speaking anything to you? And it just kept happening. <laughs> I got back from the conference, got back to Laos. We'd had like 100 conversations, stayed up late all night long, multiple times. And I made the dreaded phone call to call my boss and simply say, hey, we're leaving Southeast Asia to go to Alaska. That was what I would call confirmation. How many times have you guys like thought about buying a car and then all of a sudden all you ever see on the road is that car? Or like, I want that pair of headphones and then like everyone you see has that set of headphones. And that is oftentimes how God works in our lives. He puts an idea or a thought or, or a string of thoughts, and all of a sudden you begin to see it over and over and over again. And the Lord is speaking. He's directing. It may not be as radical as an audible voice, but the Lord can get our attention and he can direct us where he wants us to go. The question is, is are we seeking his voice so that we can do what we want to do or just push him aside so we can get on our plan? Or do we want to know his voice so that we can know him? God called us to Alaska. There's no doubt in my mind. Like we're here because of that. But it wasn't to come do something for God. It was to come and do something with God. Does that make sense? All right. All right. Posture. Take steps of obedience. Oh, I love this. So the practice, I'm going to throw this out there as well. Not only is there confirmation, but there's actually steps of obedience or steps of faith. So in chapter 3, 19, it says this, God let none of his words fall to the ground. Like, what does that mean? What I, I looked it up because I was like, that's kind of a strange way to put things. God let none of his words fall to his ground. They like had helium and they just kind of floated up into, you know, the ethernet or whatever. No, whatever those, ozone, there it is. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes, holy cow, we got to get done. Um, the ether webs, the ozones. I got a whole other story I want to tell right now, but I'm not going to. All right, so. But here's here's what I, what that means. God let none of His words fall to the ground. Essentially, um, that none of the prophecies, none of the, the directions, the visions, the things that he proclaimed, God let become false. What that means to me is that Samuel didn't get it right every time. Because it doesn't say Samuel heard everything rightly and he said exactly what I wanted to say. What it says is God made it right. He cheated. <laughs> right? Samuel screwed up, he stepped out in faith, he spoke out in what he believed was the voice of the Lord. He's like, man, that guy is so deaf, but I'm going to sort it for him, right? And he stepped in and he made it right. And there's an important lesson here, guys. Just like God is not trying to play hide and seek, he's not trying to trick us, he's also looking for us to continue to win in our relationship, in our hearing of the voice of God. And so when we step out in faith, even if we get it wrong, the Bible says that he can work all things together for good for those that love him, which means that we don't have to live in fear of screwing it up. 
I wish I could have learned this at your age, to step out in boldness. Now, I'm not saying be kooky and crazy and like every Oreo thought that goes through your mind is not from God, all right? <laughs> but there is a moment where you're sure, like, man, the Lord is speaking. This lines up with God's word. It makes sense with what God is doing in my own heart and my own mind. I need to step out and be obedient in what God is saying. And that the Lord will honor. Does that make sense? All right. I mentioned it before, but in chapter 4, verse 1, the last thing that it says is that Samuel's word went out across Israel. And that this concept of being intertwined with God happened with Samuel to where Samuel's words and God's words became synonymous with each other. You see, the goal of hearing God's voice is not to figure out what to do. The goal of hearing God's voice is to know your friend. There's been lots of moments in my life that I've like pleaded to hear the voice of the Lord. And most of them I would say were selfish. Does that make sense? There's moments that I want to hear my wife's voice. Right? Like they're selfish moments. Usually around five o'clock, five thirty, dinner's ready, like that's a good voice. <laughs> I like that voice. And then there are voices that I, I'm not, like, super keen on, like, hey, are you going to fix the car? Are you going to pick up your clothes? Are you going to dot, dot, dot? And it's amazing how quickly I can tune out that voice. And I can be distracted with other things. After 21 years of marriage, three or four, three and a half years of dating before that, well more than half of my life, I recognize Crystal's voice. And I'm pretty confident that I can actually speak for Crystal. And for those of you who know us well, you know that Crystal will often speak for me. <laughs> Even not when I'm not super keen about that. Right? We're about to have a, a weekend where we're going to spend intentional time seeking God. We're going to have fun. We're going to spend some time of worship. And there's going to be an opportunity to interact with him, to hear God's voice. And the reason we're talking about this tonight is because I want to prime the pump. I want to start you thinking, getting your emotions and your heart and your mind in a place where you're going to begin to desire to hear what God has to say. God loves us and he wants what's best. I want to throw some tools for discerning God's voice at you and then we're going to take a minute and we're going to pray for our friends. Um, many of you know our friends that are participating in Alaska Student Partnership, the group that is headed out to use their degrees for ministry in rural Alaska. And we're going to ask.
bless them and kind of use that as an opportunity to discern God's voice over their lives. But here are some things that I think, some tools for discerning God's voice. I, I oftentimes will journal, and if you read my journal, please don't, but if you do, you're going to see lots of conversations with God about my motives. I'm asking things like, why am I seeking the Lord? And things like, I need to choose what is best for God's kingdom, not what's best for me. Another tool for discerning God's voice would be removing distractions and competing voices. This is one that I struggle with probably more than anything else because our lives are so busy and so full. And so finding those windows to be silent, to really listen, it matters. Another one would be really surrendering and dedicating our lives to God. Many of us are, are really like we're in with God, but we're holding some stuff back. Are you sleeping in the temple next to the ark? Another one is scripture, which is honestly our best communication from God. It's always speaking to us. You can go to it at any time, and the Lord will begin to use it to reveal himself to you. God speaks through scripture regularly. Can I throw another one at you? Some of you need to rest. Some of you need to get to work, but some of you need to rest. Slow down, setting aside time for listening, meditation, and what I call listening prayer. There's another thing we talked about a little bit, but a peace plan, essentially realizing that what God gives you peace about is his direction and starting to process what that looks like. We need to position ourselves. If you're not hearing God's voice, is it because of where you're at? Other good tools are reading godly books and seeking wise counsel. We need each other. I would encourage you to posture by fasting and praying. To be willing to see confirmations, not as just universal coincidences, but as God's hand leading you and directing you. Jesus, I come to you right now on behalf of my friends in this room. Lord, that our hearts would be ignited to, oh, Lord, to hear your voice. Sometimes it comes in the strangest moments, in the strangest places, but Lord, that we would be ready to recognize, receive, Lord, and be obedient to what you ask. And God, that our motives would be right. Jesus, let us be a community that hears you, not distracted by all the things that, that are going on around us, but Lord, your voice. We love you, Jesus, in your name.